these dental practices were called not a generic name. They were called by the dentist name. So Dr. Harry Potter, right? And you'd walk in and see all these credentials on the wall and you'd be like, okay, this guy must be the shit. But now with millennials and with the younger generations, we don't care about Dr. Harry Potter. We just want good service. We want transparency. And so for dentists who are own dental practices or for associates, branding, personal branding for them looks completely different. He has a ton of followers, millions and millions and millions. If you watch one of his videos, all his videos will show up in your feed on every platform. And he, it's like dentist, but it's bentist. He has like millions and millions of followers, but he doesn't own like a ton of practices. He owns, I think, maybe one, I think, maybe two as an orthodontist. And then that only, he probably has a lot of new patients at those, but I don't think his brand would scale for like a, to grow to a hundred practices. So what he ends up doing is like selling toothbrushes and things like that, that everybody could buy everywhere. Probably about 10 years ago is when I really got started in startups. They, they would contact me and they'd be like, they'd, they'd give me the same, the same pitch every time. They'd say, Melissa, we love what you're doing. We know that hygiene and prevention is the future of the industry. So how can we create a product that speaks to hygienists, speaks to dentists, and how can we fast track that and have success? <laughs> and I'm like, good luck with that. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. And today, I have a special guest. If you've never seen her before, you're probably living under a rock because she's everywhere in the dental industry. We actually talked about this. I've seen her in many different places, but I've never got the opportunity to catch up with her. And today, I learned all about Melissa Turner, who is a consultant in the dental industry, and she does a ton of amazing things. Not only does she speak, not only has she been in the chair as a hygienist, but she also works with companies around branding and works with a lot of tech companies. You're going to want to stay tuned because she is a wealth of knowledge and she's moving the dental industry in a direction that a lot of people are paying attention to. So stay tuned. All right, Melissa. So why don't you tell me how you got into the dental industry? Well, Gary, I'm going to say what everyone else says. I'm going to say by accident, right? (laughs) Once upon a time, I was eight years old and I went to the orthodontist and I hated it. (laughs) But really what that did at that point was it instilled in my mind the importance for oral health and for straight dentition. And the smell of the dental office kind of got to me after a while and it became familiar. So I think I think, Gary, out of everything that I could say in my life, that was really the start of my love for teeth and for the people inside of this brilliant dental industry that we find ourselves in. Yeah. But now... So how... Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, now I'm privileged to kind of work behind the scenes, doing a lot of brand strategy with with product companies. And, And though I love my clinical time as a hygienist this is where this is my jam brand strategy is my jam there you go yeah so so like explain that to people because people in the dental industry probably don't really understand usually when you say marketing they just think oh new patients but then there's like well no there's like branding and there's lead gen and then there's also recruiting is also marketing and you're now you're talking about building brands for for something even outside that the, the normal dental community would even understand. So could you kind of define what that means just for the audience? Yeah. Well, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, I was 
I've been in dentistry 20 years. And when we first started, it was when dental practices were so thrilled because they got websites, right? The cookie club. Yeah, I remember that. They no longer had to put a banner out that said, new patients, welcome. Now they put the banner on their website instead, right? Uh, So dentistry is familiar with marketing, but you can market anything, but the best marketing has to go back and rely on the foundation of the brand. And so while I don't work a whole lot with branding for dental practices, most of my time is spent behind the scenes with product service tech companies to build brand strategy for new product launches, to launch a new startup. And even now, some founders um, have been working with me to kind of build their personal brand to leverage that to grow their companies. So it's been this fantastic kind of learning curve that dentistry has seen. And I'll be honest, most people don't know I do that. Most people see me as a key opinion leader, a speaker, an influencer. Hey, I got something crazy to share with you and I'm going to get you right back to the show, I promise. So we have an event called AlignerCon coming up next year. And this month, we're giving away a buy one, get one free. We're going to be partnering with Clear Correct, And this is going to be one of the biggest events that we've ever done in Nashville, Tennessee, in the biggest hotel in America. So if you want to come to this, again, we're going to give you a buy one, get one free. We want to meet you in person. Just go to AlignerCon.com and we're going to teach you how to create, convert, close, and even some clinical components around clear aligners. So don't miss this event. Go check it out now. Back to the show. And mainly around hygiene, right? Like I always thought of you as everything I've seen, like I'm look, even looking at your Instagram page right now, like you got gloves on, you got scrubs on, right? So I, that's how my brain has always thought of you. But this is, this is a lot different. And so um, what, and I love the personal brand stuff because I think that's the future, right? Like I dump a t- I can tell you spend a lot of time on your personal brand. I do as well. Can you kind of go down that road? Like what is what is personal brand and why should anybody in the dental industry care about it? Yeah, well, and I love, I don't often get to nerd out about branding on podcasts. So thank you, first of all, because this is this going to be fantastic. But when, you know, when I first started in dentistry, it was the websites, but it was also these dental practices were called not a generic name. They were called by the dentist name. So Dr. Harry Potter, right? And you'd walk in and see all these credentials on the wall and you'd be like, okay, this guy must be the shit. But now with millennials and with the younger generations, we don't care about Dr. Harry Potter. We just want good service. We want transparency. And so for dentists who are own dental practices or for associates, Branding, personal branding for them looks completely different than it used to in the past. It's more of a team yep. approach. It's more of, okay, if they want to be an influencer, they can, but they don't have to be. But it's more about in-person networking and, and building up your ties with the community around you is really what's going to help the personal branding from, from a dentist perspective who owns a practice. But then, but then when we look outside of dentists themselves and we look at speakers, we look at the founders of startups. We look at executives who end up being the face of their company. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game now to yeah. kind of always be on. Um, it is and hard. more than just social media too. It's more than just social media. Yeah, yeah. It's who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. I got actually a couple questions around this. So first one is, I have been un- of the opinion that like DSOs and groups are largely a closed door community, meaning. All we see is someone get up on a stage and go, yeah, I built my DSO. We have 500 practices. 
yeah, it was hard here and it's great now. We're going to add another hundred over the next two years, right? That's unless you get to work there, you don't really see what's behind the door. So my brain has always been, man, the biggest problem with these groups is recruiting. What if a CEO or a COO or somebody at the top of the company or even even somebody on the team said, I'm just going to share the day in the life of running a DSO and behind the scenes. How, how do you think that would work? Do you think that would work for a group to like find more dentists and connect with people out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, but you have to do it on a micro level, too. It, sure, you can have a, a public facing persona for a, a thousand practice DSO, MSO, whatever you yep. want to call it. But you have to work on that micro level as well, because what, you know, I'm... Can you define that? Can you define micro level? Regional, local. You can be all over social media. You can be all over the internet, but it doesn't mean that your patients in that area... Yeah. See, I'm not even thinking patients. I'm thinking dentist. I want, I'm a CEO of a DSO and I want more dentists to work with me (laughs) and to partner with me to build... So I'm not even thinking patient level, but I agree with you because on the patient level, yeah, it would, that, that wouldn't work at all because it's, it's too global. Now, okay, let me flip it another way for you then for on the dentist side. So you know who the Bentus is, right? You've ever heard of the Bentus? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he has like the most followers of, in the dental industry, I think on there social go. media. There you go. Um, he, he has a ton of followers, millions and millions and millions. If you watch one of his videos, all his videos will show up in your feed on every platform. And he, it's like dentist, but it's Bentist. He has like millions and millions of followers, but he doesn't own like a ton of practices. He owns, I think, maybe one, I think, maybe two as an orthodontist. And then that only, he probably has a lot of new patients at those, but I don't think his brand would scale for like a, to grow to a hundred practices. So what he ends up doing is like selling toothbrushes and things like that, that everybody could buy everywhere. What are your thoughts on the Bentist and that kind of from a business model scalability standpoint? Oh, sure. And I saw him speak the other day, too. I wanted to meet him, but I had to leave and whatever. Very entertaining. Well, so for that kind of a that kind of a brand awareness uh, tactic, it's great. It's lovely. But I'm always long term. I'm always big picture long term. And sure, for short term, if that is the goal to be the Bentist, if that is the goal to be the tooth girl, what I do on on Instagram short term, that's great. But we have to know that, you know, social media is so new to our society that in the grand scheme of things, you know, what's going to come next after social media? We have AI, we have bots, we have all kinds of things coming down the line that are here. But long term, the typical dentist, the typical practice owner who is not a dentist, if they go that route and put all their eggs in one basket, that's not going to be best for long term profitability. So sure. I love the dentist. I will support him. I will buy his toothbrushes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know. Probably on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you're not knocking him. I'm just, I'm just, because that's the way I had a, a Dr. Mackie. She's pretty big. She probably has over a million followers, not as big as the dentist. I actually had her on a podcast and she works for a DSO <laughs> and she has a good social presence. And I said, how many new patients a month are you seeing? Because you have over a million followers. Your videos get hundreds of thousands of views every single time, if not millions. And she was like, Oh, I see about 20 new patients a month. And it was like, okay, so just because you're getting a lot of views, it doesn't necessarily translate to new patients. So I asked her, why are you doing this then? Why are you spending so much time? She said, long term, I wanted to be, I want to be an educator and I want to help people learn more about. So I'm building this now for something later as I do dentistry, which I was like, okay, that's smart. 
but I don't, I don't see the play as the dentist, like, you know, blowing up and then getting a ton of new patients, maybe at one office, but not at multiple offices. And it just doesn't scale at the DSO level, I don't think. Well, and when I work with DSOs, what I what I tell them is think of it like you're the target. Okay. Whether you like target or not, you're a target. What target does is they come in and they support the local community. It's what we used to do by supporting the local soccer team, right? But now you have mm-hmm. to do more than that. Even if you're the biggest DSO around or the smallest DSO, that local team at that local office needs to go out into the community and and bring folks back through the doors. And that can be done if you've got a good team culture, right? Like that's the footnote there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always tell people like people talk a lot about brand for dentists, right? Like they think of brand like, oh, I want to build this massive brand like Tesla dentists say a lot of time. Build, I want to build Tesla brand. And it's like, so you want to sell us a, a product? And they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to sell a product. I want I sell a service. And I'm like, okay. And it's a localized service, right? Like you're in Wisconsin on the corner of this street, you can only service like a three mile area. Yeah. And I always tell people your brand as a dental office is how patients feel when they walk through your office. And the end result of that is them referring people to you. It's not just your logo, your logo, you can have the most amazing logo in the world and pay millions of dollars for it. That doesn't mean it's going to turn into new patients necessarily. Yeah. And it's, it's what we want right now. Like I'm, I'm the target audience for most dental practices out there. I'm the consumer that they want. And I want transparency. I want flexibility. It took me, this is one of the things I say, Gary, when I, I give lectures all across the States. And one of my favorite stories to, to say is, is to tell is that it took me three years to get my kids a dental appointment. We moved. Nobody was open when I called. Why well, they didn't have online scheduling. And this was right before COVID. And then COVID happened, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and if I'm having a hard time scheduling a yeah. for my kids, I can't imagine. And I know I've worked in public health. I know what it's like for the rest of us. And so I think that's where DSOs specifically can come in and help make it easy for patients. Or they can even do virtual care or take care outside of the four walls of the dental office. I'm a huge advocate for doing that. We're an Uber generation now, right? Like this is this is where we are. We want things to come to us. And if if dental practices understand that they don't necessarily have to buy another practice or they don't have to build a practice, if they can go out and take the services to the patient in their workplace, in their homes, concierge dentistry, it the, the bottom line just explodes and virtual care, you know, along with that as well, everything becomes more efficient from a business model, a clinical model perspective. Yeah. And that's, and that's all done on the local level. Again, what you just described has to be done at the office because right. what you experienced wasn't a brand issue. It was an operational issue at your local office level. And that can't be solved at the DSO level. That has to be solved at the office level. And it doesn't, it doesn't scale. It's not something that you just go, oh yeah, we have this system and it works 100% and just everybody copy it. It's like, no, it's each office. Some offices, online scheduling kills. Other offices, online scheduling, people don't use it. Some offices, everybody wants to call and talk to you. Other offices, they fill out forms and that forms work great. Other offices, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. There's all these, and and I know that's going to change over time, right? That's going to also, it's not what works today isn't 10 years is going to be totally different. We're going to have everything. Everything's going to be, I, I know like uh, for larger treatment right now, the virtual consults absolutely kill because the patient's like, oh, I just want to talk to somebody. They get the basic questions answered. 
and then you get them into the office and they they trust you more. So all of it's 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 ebb and flowing. So you have to continue to develop it. So I I love that. I love this conversation. So walk me through when you're working with like tech companies. I'm actually really curious of that. Like, tell me like a cool story of something that you're working on right now and 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 developing a brand around that. Oh my gosh! I mean, there is so probably about ten years ago is when I really got started in startups. They they would contact me and they'd be like they they'd give me the same the same pitch every time. They'd say, Melissa, we love what you're doing. We know that hygiene and prevention is the future of the industry. So how can we create a product that speaks to hygienists, speaks to dentists, and how can we fast track that and have success? <laughs> and I'm like, good luck with that. I don't know. I don't know. But I would start to work with them and we'd formulate these messaging, the, these ways. B- because I'm a clinician, I know what we want to hear. I know what it takes to get brands on board. And so I, there, you know, there's several brands that I've worked with. You know, on DM Dental Staffing is a great, great tech company, and they provide so many solutions. And they've morphed and changed along the way. And, and I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be with them pretty much since the beginning and see the changing. You know, they're much more than staffing. They now do all kinds of things for DSOs in the background. They they employ all their tents as W two. So it's 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 anytime I see a new tech company coming into the space. It, it makes me almost giddy because I, I know that they're here. They're going to make change. They're going to make the clinical day more efficient for the provider, for, for the clinician. And then eventually they're all going to consolidate it, right? And so just be at what, one label. <laughs> but there's, there's a company I'm working with right now who they're not a tech company, but Garrity, it's going to change everything. It's basically this, this sealant 2.0 that you put on the teeth and it prevents the teeth from being stained, plaque just falls off. Anyway, I'm clinical nerding out right now, but it is a fantastic. So we're working right now to to kind of see what kind of messaging uh, the dental industry is ready for in regard to that kind of a dental sealant. But that's a different conversation. I get it. I get it. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I love that. I think that's amazing. What what? Why do you think? I think that's really, really cool. Are you allowed to say what the product is? Uh, not yet. Okay. 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 Let us know. You can come back on when you're ready style. to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So why do you think, because one thing you're saying there is like, you said something that I thought was interesting. You said, we need to test what kind of verbiage the dental industry is ready for. And it seems like the dental industry is always like 10 to 15 years behind a lot of other industries. Do you feel that way? And if so, why, why does that feeling exist? Oh yeah, it's totally the case. And it's not for better or for worse. It just is how it is. And I, I think one of the reasons why that's happened is because traditionally most practice owners are clinicians. And so they're in the chair full time. And so they don't have time to think about their business. This is why DSOs are now taking off and we're seeing that consolidation. They don't have time to think about their business. They don't have time to really explore the new, the innovative products that are coming out. And so it just takes a lot, a lot longer. But then from my perspective, from what I do with branding, from product development, it also makes it easier because I just look at healthcare and I say, oh, okay, well, that's where we're going long term down the road. Now we just have to figure out how to get the rest of the industry on board with that. And the messaging, it's all about the messaging, not too much, not too little, right? It's all about that right ebb and flow. That's so good. And then you, I know you also, um, and I totally agree with you. That's exactly the, a lot of the decision makers are busy doing dentistry 
So then it's hard to make decisions about other things. It's really that simple. And then that means everything kind of moves slower. So what is um, what you I know you also speak at a lot of events and things like that. Tell me a little bit about your speaking background and what you do there. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of what I speak about is the future. Ironically enough, we were just talking about that. It's the future of dentistry. No matter what I speak about, I end with about 10 to 15 minutes of these new and innovative products that are coming down the line, a lot that aren't even on the market yet, right? Like this sealant that I was talking about. And and so it's just a matter of of prepping the audience and saying, okay, this is what's coming. Just prepare yourselves for it for when it comes. So a lot of what I do is talk about the future of dentistry, inclusion, diversity, LGBTQ advocacy. Uh, in dentistry, what I talk about is the technology that's coming down. And one of the things I talk about too is, you know, when I first started in dentistry, everyone was talking about how pretty soon more female dentists will be graduating from school. Pretty soon the the millennials will be the decision makers in dentistry. That's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, those are happening right now. And so part of me it's I take the responsibility of of this change agent of like, okay, like this is changing. I will help to kind of help help you through all of this. Um, so no matter what I speak about, that's kind of the underlying underlying issue uh, foundation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that is a big shift. Is that I think ha- at a lot of dental schools, about half of the students coming out now are um, dental. The dental uh, graduates are uh, females. And so that's going to change things. How how do you think that ends up playing out? Like, what does that look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing and the biggest lesson that I've had since becoming a mother is that these nine to five work days do not do not work at all yeah. for any parent, yep. let alone like. So I think just by nature, the, the flexibility of dental staffing, but also the dental work day is is going to change, whatever that means, whether you bring in a second chef to do the evening or whether you just change your gentle hours. Um, I, I also think that there are, you know, as parents, it's it's harder to own businesses because you're, you just have to juggle everything. And so I think yeah. more of the dentists who are coming out as females are going to be associates, which then pulls in the DSOs and the multi-site organizations and, and that whole thing as well. And so we're going to see these subtle shifts um, and I think, I think it'll be for the better, but I am biased because I am a mother and I'm a woman. So <laughs> I have yeah. read hallelujah for these, for these changes. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, it's a big shift. Uh, that, that is a huge change and, uh, yeah, we're going to find out, right. We'll see what kind of what, what happens to the, the industry and how it, uh, shifts and adjusts from there. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you and either have you speak at their event or, work with you on um, any kind of branding or anything like that? How, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The easiest way is to go to melissaKturner.com and there's just a contact widget on there that you can fill out. My team will send it to me. You can also find me as the Tooth Girl on Instagram, on Facebook and LinkedIn. They're all great, but those are usually delayed responses. So fastest is through my website. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll put the, we'll put the link down below. Any closing thoughts or anything that you feel like the audience should know about you that would it really help connect the dots? Because I know we covered a ton of different topics. So what any any closing thoughts about uh, you and what you're doing, Melissa? Yeah, you know, for me, I'm always a big picture person. And so the goal of whatever I do is to make dentistry a better place for not just the patient, but for the provider as well. I'm I'm a clinician. I know what it's like. And if we can improve the clinical 
environment, then patients are going to benefit for that. So no matter what I do, that that's my basic message. And and that that's who I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You did a great job and it's always great to learn. And I, I, I see you everywhere. I just never got to connect with you personally. So thank you so much for coming on and let me learn a little bit about you. Thank you, Gary. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but we got a quick segment for you that's called Ask Gary. And we have some people that have been sending in marketing questions that I think will really help you. If you'd want to send in your question, all you have to do is send in an email to askgary at smcnational.com, or you can leave a comment or DM us and we're happy to answer it that way too. So today's question comes in from George. And his question is, what does a good marketing budget look like as far as the dollar amount? And if it, this is a really hard question to answer because it really depends on what your goals are. So I'm not going to answer it in dollars, but I'm going to answer it in percentage. Rule number one is never ask a marketing guy, how much should we spend? That is the worst thing you can ask them because they want to spend to the moon, right? Really what you should be looking at is the percentage of your total revenue in marketing budget. So you want to take a percentage. So one to 2% of your total revenue is a really small marketing budget and you're probably not going to grow. So if you make $100,000 in total revenue every single month, 1% of that is going to be $1,000. 2% would be $2,000. Um, if you are going to really want to grow, you have to be above 3% or more to be able to grow. And if you want to really see explosive growth, usually that's going to be in that 4 to 7% range. Now, when you get into massive growth or really needing to like add an associate or, or you added a bunch of new operatories that you need to fill or you added a new hygienist that you need to fill their schedule, then that's when you get into that like 6 to 10% range. And that's the general range, 1% to 10%, depending on what you're trying to do. Obviously, this is for GP. When you get into like full arch marketing, your budget can be as high as 20% of your total revenue because that's a totally different beast. So hopefully that helps you.